0: Hi, I'm the Strategist Cowboy. Today, I'm going to review a fairly strong ABBA from Brauerich probably the, the Halbe man in Belgium. I slaughtered that. I'm going to set it up against itself. So this week's sole contestant is the Bruce Bock. Let's get ready to rumble. And only contestant for this week is the Brusse Bock from the Belgian brewery Brewery de Harbeman in Bruges. This brewery, de Harbeman, has laid down a 3.2-kilometer-long pipeline under the city to support the bars in Bruges with beer from the brewery talk about monopolizing the market the ingredients in the Bruce beer assortment are water barley malt sugar hops and yeast it has got an EBU level of 25 EBU means European bitterness unit It is not very different in its scale than the IBU, i.e. International Bitterness Unit. 25 EBU is pretty normal. Some beer types have a pretty high IBU level, but seldom more than 40. The best before date on this particular beer is the beginning of August 2024. I purchased this beer in late November, 2022. It has been standing in my cooler since. The Bruiser Bock Ale assortment comes in a size 33 centiliters i.e. about 11 liquid ounces bottle. The two-folded bottle label is mostly golden and whitish. There is a gesture on both labels, upper and lower on this bottle. The Borussia Böck Böck Ale beer assortment cost me 30 kronor, i.e. 2 US dollars and 90 cents. 90 cents. That is one dollar for every four ounces of beer. System blog says... That the preferred serving temperature on this beer is 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e., about 46 to, to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery website says 6 degrees Celsius, i.e., about 45 degrees Fahrenheit. About preferred serving temperature. Either way, I will pull it out from my cooler. Just before I pop the cap. The Brewse Bock Ale beer assortment has got a 6.5% ABV. 6.5%. How about the experience then? One moment, I'm just going to check here, okay, so good. A really nice aroma, but kind of blended, I mean it's uh, mundane, mundane in some way, but it's a good aroma just as it just it's just that it is an everyday aroma so to speak Not, not it's not sticking out it's got a two finger tall head and it's uh i like the color of it it's like like fudge color or something reddish reddish color red color yes i think so it's red in color My first uh, impression one more more thing it's it's fairly cloudy it'll get more cloudy when I pour up the rest of the beer but uh, the first impression I get it's a good beer. It's not so uh, mundane in its taste as in its uh, aroma. It's got some character uh, it's uh, pretty rich yeah it's pretty it it's pretty rich it's it's rich it's, it's 6..5 percent so they have a good chance to making it rich uh, taste rich and uh, it doesn't taste like liquor like they poured in liquor in it and it shouldn't really and it doesn't. so it's good. I wouldn't say that it's bread-like. I pouring in the rest of the beer and pour it up the rest of the beer, and it's. Uh, I don't think I can see my fingers through the glass at all. It's still reddish in color, but it's even more uh, cloudy than before. It's perhaps a little bit easty, yes. Or a lot, actually. And it's a multi... Taste on my palate is uh, good beer. Yeah, nothing uh, that comes to my mind. It's uh, more sweet than dry. Uh, uh, some to to some extent is uh, a lot more sweet than dry. Well, anyway, it's more sweet than dry. Uh, it's uh, bitter, I think. and hoppy, which is kind of the same thing, but not exactly the same thing. Uh, It's uh, almost a little bit, uh, and now I was going to say fudgy, but uh, I don't, I want to put in superlatives. 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 I don't know. Uh, I don't want to put uh, put in a lot of superlatives. And it's not. Uh, I mean, just to do it, it's uh, meaningless. It's not fruity, I don't think so, or perhaps... No. There are some spices in it. The undertone is a little bit... uh... Or the taste of my palette, perhaps, is a little bit spicy. Yeah. And... uh... Mm. It's almost like it's got a little bit of pine needle taste in it. It's um shouldn't be there but it's so so faint that it's perfectly okay. I don't think it's can be labeled pine needle taste to be have pine needle taste in it. I don't think you can do that. Well, of course you can, but it's really not very prevalent in the flavor. The carbonation level is, uh, I don't know, I think it's pretty high. But we'll see in a minute. I feel like burping right now, actually. So, uh, excuse me. It's almost creamy, excuse me. Almost creamy, not quite, but it's uh, it's got a full body. It's, it's well balanced. It's not acidic. And I wouldn't say that there are any aberrations in it. Not even the pine needle taste I was talking about. It's... Uh, it's too faint to be, to, to say that this beer has got pine needle taste in it. It's a, it's a beer, it tastes like beer. If, if I say that this beer has got pine needle in it, I have to say it about many other beers, good beers. It's not, it's not very, it's not very dark, but it's not light either. It's a little bit on the dark side. Sugary, brown sugary. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't think it's filtered. No, I don't think it's filtered. Um, let's see here uh, uh, with my other templates. Uh, I have bread flavour with wort, is it? No, I wouldn't say. No pineapple, a little bit of pine needle perhaps, but I, I don't want to say it. I'm, I'm just hinting it. the taste. The taste is It's a, a little bit on that side. But too little to to label, label it pine needle taste. Hints of apricot perhaps? Or um, mango, no, apricot. Mango perhaps, no, I don't know, actually. Uh, And there are light bread, but it's not in this beer. Banana taste, flavor, no, no. Straw, let's see. Maybe you could say, instead of pine needle, that it's straw-like. I think you can do that. Yes, I'd say that it's straw-like, not pine needle uh, uh, taste. In this beer, uh, there's no syrup in it. No syrup. but you might say that it's a little bit honey-like, but I don't think uh, I don't think they have honey in it. So no, no licorice, clove. Let's see. No. No. Um, I I don't want to say fudge like, not not chocolate taste, I neither. Let's see, no coffee, Uh, no raspberry, no blueberry. One moment, excuse me. Um, I'm sorry, mango, 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 or apricot, I'm not sure, but uh, no tangerine. Some, uh, I think I read on the website, on their website, that it got raisin taste, raisin taste, but uh, okay. I can go with that. I don't sense it very much, but if they say they have raisin taste, they must have raisin in the in the brew. So I guess they must be right. But I don't um, sense it a lot. And uh, there's no, uh, no vanilla taste. I wouldn't say there. Are no, there, there is no one, vanilla tasting. But what about grading then? How many devils do I grade this beer? Eight devils out of 10 possible, it's worth it. It's fair, I think. Eight devils out of 10 possible. Could've been better. But it could have been a lot worse too. So, yeah. Absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underage or pregnant. Lesson I call Russia and Time Critical Satellite Downloading. I assert or conclude that Russia lacks the time critical satellite guidance capability for long range warfare against moving targets. Everything they have done so far in Georgia, Syria, and now in Ukraine, indicates that they can only send pre-programmed missiles against targets at long distances. And the target has to be fixed. Russia is inept when it comes to long-range warfare from Russia and Russian waters. They have some naval capability, but they lack, for example, ...functional aircraft carriers since Admiral Kuznetsko burned. But that is the reason why they have to use mercenaries like the Wagner Group in Africa. Official Russian army units in Africa are a no-no for Putin. But in Eastern Europe, Russia seemed to rule, at least before the invasion of Ukraine. But not so much nowadays. Long range satellite guided weapons require time critical downloads and various types of satellite support. For example, American satellite guided weapons are supported by geostationary satellites, as well as polar orbiting satellites, which can transmit information to each other and download to a ground station around the Earth's crests. This is how the US was able to remote control UCAVs i.e. unmanned combat aerial vehicles against moving targets in Yemen from an installation in the US. Russia is unable to do that. Geostationary satellites are always located over the same spot on Earth because the satellite travels with the rotation of the Earth in the direction of rotation. What about Russia's Iskander-M semi-ballistic missiles, you might say? Where and when has that weapon been used against anything other than fixed targets in Ukraine? They have not been used with the support of satellites within minutes anyway. Russia based its satellite system on information download during satellite overflights over ground stations and not information linked from satellite to satellite directly to weapons systems. And these downloads are not time critically tactical useful. Satellite photos and imaging must also be examined which presumably takes longer than a break by the road ditch for a truck column with weapons for the armed forces of Ukraine. Therefore, the West's arms deliveries to Ukraine can proceed relatively painlessly. It's not certain that even the US can tactically target moving vehicles with satellite support alone. But let's assume they can. They can remote control UCAVs from the US. We know that. I can say that, for example, the Russian Iskander M missiles have some ability to lock on to moving targets, but only after the missile has been sent away. And it does so with the missiles built in target seeker in the descent phase. But what about the Murmansk BN? Will it not give Ukraine a lot of headaches? Yes, that's for sure. Murmansk BN is an electronic attack equipment. But Murmansk BN cannot interfere any receivers on land beyond certain distances. I doubt that the mast on a Murmansk BN is over 30 meters high, and the earth is curved, which means that if the mast on on a Murmansk BN is 30 meters high, that it can interfere against receivers on land from maybe 34 kilometers distance, but not much more. It is thus only useful near the front line. Individual abilities for Murmansk BN that are described on Russian channels that the system may have overall gives an incorrect, downright false image. image. You should not watch those Russian channels if you are looking for the truth. Truth is the first sacrifice in war. And boy, have they sacrificed the truth. Don't be so naive that you listen to an opening phrase that says, greetings truth seekers and believe it. Jamming GPS systems have never been difficult. You can build a jammer with a small output power with a small output power in the garage that can jam GPS signals over great distances. The U.S. is guilty of doing many shady things, but the war in Ukraine is not one of the things they are responsible for. However, they seek a war against Iranian proxy forces in Syria and Iraq to begin with. And they do so at Western Europe's expense, except for the U.K., of course. And Biden does not like us Swedes at all, I can tell you. Nor did President Trump. How can I tell? Remember COVID-19 and the witch hunt against Sweden. The bullying didn't just appear from thin air. It was allowed to go on by both parties in the US. How can we be to blame for allowing anything, Biden might reply. Either you can or you cannot, I say. But if you cannot, you've also lost the magic. Check your move, Biden. The Russian war in Ukraine, on the other hand, is a boogeyman for the United States. Thank you and see you later, alligator, at a wild crocodile.